We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekomsky coming to you from the cool uh, uh, nature of Northfield. Oh, I got to turn up the furnace. It's getting so, so cold up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep rubbing it in, John. I'm stuck here in beautiful South St. Louis uh, <laughs> where I'm serving as pastor at Ascension Lutheran Church. Uh, pastor Matt Youngblood Clark here. Uh, still a working man, John. Not not footloose yep. and fancy free like you, trotting off fa- to the north. <laughs> every got time the fans, fans going down there, Matt, as the sweat <laughs> pouring off of you as we do this yeah, recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we've got Ted Drew's frozen custard to cool us ah, off. So there you, go. there you go. See, there's always the Lord always provides. <laughs> right? That's right. He That's makes right. everything work. Good. We got no Ted Drews up here. <laughs> so, although I did think it's it's interesting up here because we, of course, we do have the uh, uh, the uh, the bakery up here. I'm, I'm trying to remember what the name of the. Maybe I shouldn't do it because it would be a commercial. Uh, oh, my, my Malto Meal. You remember Malto Meal? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> this is where Malto Meal is made. So if any of anybody's eating Malto Meal, it's made right here in Northfield. Whoa. And it's it smells like cookies, Matt. Oh my goodness! Like All the time, yeah. See, uh, St. Louis just smells like cops and beer most of the time. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Anheuser Busch. Uh, uh, well, that's true. The hops, yeah. yeah oh that, yeah, that's yeah. Not a bad yeah. smell either. Yeah, we don't want to knock that. Uh, but well, anyway, we we need to get on track here because we we got a lot of good stuff to cover, uh, and I want to start. By the way, this is. Wrestling, wrestling with, with the, basics. the basics. And John, can I can I have a, a little note of clarification? Sure, sure. I, I don't want to you know, leave me any confusion from last week's episode. We were talking about flocks and herds, and and yeah. uh, you know I you know with all due respect, John, you know you'd refer to uh, guinea pigs as a herd, <laughs> and yes. and the, the preferred term is actually a muddle. A guinea pig muddle. So. <laughs> well, thank you, Matt. Thank, You're so our apologies to all of those guinea pig herders out there. <laughs> God bless you as you take care of your muddles today. Well, I thought before before the phone calls and emails pour in with people making comments, I thought, you know, let's get that out there. <laughs> because, you know, guinea pig herders listen to us. We're, we're number one amongst religious broadcasts with guinea pig herders. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no. so, so, muddle? Uh, is that what you say? Get back to your muddles. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, muddle. A muddle of <laughs> guinea pigs. <laughs> I'll have to look and see if there's a Hebrew word for that. Yeah. Uh, but back back to the Greek word for sheep. We had one last word for sheep, and I want to get this out of the way right away because we got some great stuff about the armor of God. We don't want to shortchange that. But but here's the word arnion, arnion. Uh, now, the word we ended with last week was arnus, which means like a helpless sheep, right? Okay. It's the sheep yes. that's in the midst of wolves is the Old Testament and, and Jesus quote too. So that's the emphasis of that word, arnus. It's a sheep that's really vulnerable. 
Arneon is actually a diminutive of Arnos. Okay. Okay. So you got Arnos, which is the, the, the kind of vulnerable sheep. And then what, what is a diminutive, Matt? Now that you're studying there, you're a doctorate. What does a diminutive mean? So it's it's something that's lesser than, right? So yes. uh, English yeah. examples might include a, a booklet or yes. a duckling. Yeah. So a not kitchenette. a full-size duck, but a little duck. Not a full-size yeah. kitchen, but a little kitchen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, booklets. That's what you want to have when you're taking your courses. You don't want to read a whole book. No, we just want a booklet. <laughs> we want a booklet. Um, and so that's what Arneon is. So, so if you've already got this image of this this kind of helpless little sheep, this that hasn't even been weaned yet. Okay, so that's what we're talking about—a little tiny sheep that has been weaned. Well, now this is even smaller. So this would be the runt of the litter we'd be talking about yeah. when it says Arneon. So yeah, diminutive, even smaller than the smallest unweaned sheep. Yeah. yeah. Wow. All right. So you got that picture in your head. So here's where it comes out first is in John chapter 21. We actually did this story not too long ago, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But why don't you read that if you could, 2115. You bet. So this is a post-resurrection, after Jesus' resurrection, when they have finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Or excuse me, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. And, and so this is really a cool thing when Jesus says to Peter, the man who betrayed him three times, Peter, even though you betrayed me three times, I'm going to entrust you with the smallest, helpless part yes. of my flock. Yeah. That, Peter, that's okay. I know you've sinned, but I I know that with my forgiveness, you, you can take care. And maybe you'll even take care of them better because you know your own weakness. Now, that all makes sense, right? Arneon, sure. Okay. The little tiny, weak sheep. You know where else the word Arneon is used in the New Testament, Matt? I bet you do. The, uh, the book of Revelation? Yes. Yeah. So, so, you know, we got this lamb story going all the time, right? And that lamb comes up over and over again in the book of Revelation. Yeah. And the next time you're reading the book of Revelation, dear listener, note this, that it's not the ordinary word for lamb. It is this word for the unweaned, small, diminutive runt of the litter lamb. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Yeah. Well, I, I think that's great because it changes, I think, what we have in our minds as we read through the book of Revelation. I think it's a great insight. Well, especially when you know you've got all kinds of beasts and dragons. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what's opposing these things? It's this little teeny tiny helpless lamb. Oh, how cute that little lamb is. Um, my my, uh, my uh, uh, stepson, Tim, who's also pastor, Tim Shakel, he, he pointed out, think about that story at the beginning of Revelation where you've got this scroll. Uh -huh. And nobody can open the scroll. I don't care how powerful <laughs> or strong it is. No one can open the scroll. And who opens the scroll, Matt? The little bitty lamb. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the passage that I had in mind, though, is Revelation 7, 17, if you, if you look at that. Yeah. Uh, for the lamb, okay, and then there's that word for that little bitty, you know, helpless lamb, it seems. Yeah. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And, and so what's cool is it says the lamb in the midst of the throne. And, and, and I never caught this image. So in other words, you got this big honking throne. Yes. 
In heaven, and right, yeah. yeah. And, and in the middle of it. So it's like it's it's right in the middle of it. It doesn't even fill up the throne. It's like this is little, <laughs> there's this little teeny tiny. And yet this lamb is going to do what, Matt? He will be the shepherd. Yeah. yeah. And wipe every tear from our eyes. So here's why I love this passage. Because, man, we see the weakness. You're a pastor. You have to deal with it every week. Every day sometimes people that are just struggling and things are going wrong and they've lost loved ones and and they're full of sadness and maybe their children are going wrong and maybe they're out of work and, oh, man, uh, there's so much weakness around us. And, and see, that's the beautiful picture here. Yeah, that's how it looks. That's exactly how it looks. But do not despair because this little teeny tiny helpless lamb is the one who's actually going to be our shepherd and he's going to take care of us and he's going to provide everything we need and he's going to wipe away every tear I have. So do not judge your life or the world around you on the basis of the weaknesses you see because that's exactly the picture the Bible gives us. Uh, This little tiny what seemed to be helpless That's what they counted him, wasn't it, when they nailed him to the cross? Oh, he's just nothing. He's helpless. Uh, Yeah, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. But no, no, don't understand. That's the salvation. That's the shepherd. That's the one who wipe away tears. I'm done. I'm done with my sheep stuff. But now you want to tell us about, in the face of all these struggles and trials, what God has given us to help us uh, deal with all these things. Right, Matt? Yeah, exactly. Thanks, John. And and what a beautiful picture as we read through Revelation. But no, thanks for that that insight. Yeah. So uh, we want to look at, uh, again, the armor of God. And just to refresh our memory, why does God even give us this armor? Well, I think it kind of goes back to one of the verses you just pointed out, John. Um, you know, we, we talked about the uh, the verse about the uh, the little defenseless lamb. Luke 10, uh, Jesus says, go your way. Behold, I'm sending out as lambs in the midst of wolves. (laughs) And, you know, Satan, kind of that chief wolf, that lion that prowls around seeking to devour us as uh, sheep of the, the, you know, lambs of the good shepherd. Um, He doesn't leave us defenseless, though. He gives us something that's called the armor of God. Um, Not our own armor, uh, but the armor of God. So just to refresh our memories, uh, let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul talks about this. Okay, what verses did you want? So Ephesians 6, let's just read verses 13 and 14. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. All that's right, King good. James yeah, there. No, I didn't realize. Say. Is that okay? I don't know how I got King James. <laughs> no, it sounds sounds very uh, sophisticated there, John. <laughs> your <laughs> loins girded. Okay, gir- very gir- good. Your loins. Yeah, but yeah. but I noticed that when it comes to uh, verse fourteen, it talked. It still said. What did it say? Did it still say breastplate? I think it did. I think it did. Think it did. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's fine, because that's where we're going to focus on today. It's the breastplate. Yeah, it is. The breastplate. So that hasn't changed from the King James to no, the modern no. translations. So, so again, just this, this reminder that, that Paul's writing these words as he's in prison. Uh, and we can almost picture Paul maybe looking at a Roman soldier as he puts these words together. And as he looks at the armor, he uses that as something that the, his readers would be familiar with. In terms of armor, they could picture sure. that. And now he relates that to the things of faith, to the armor of God. 
And so today, it's it's important. It it relates to us today too, and I think we can picture those things too. Yeah, John. And I was just thinking. I, I it would occur to me that these would be the images that the people of the day would associate with power, because yes. obviously the Roman centurion, the Roman soldiers, they were the ones that dictated whatever went on in your community. When they showed up, you did whatever they told you to do. So yeah. Yeah. So for today, though, we don't have Roman soldiers uh, uh, on the streets here in St. Louis, at least. Uh, We don't see a whole lot of armor in general. Uh, So what is a breastplate? Well, a a breastplate is that piece of armor that covers really the vital organs. It covers your lungs. It covers your heart. It covers those things that that, uh, may be vulnerable if not covered. Uh, Kind of like today's, I guess, a modern day equivalent would be a bulletproof vest. Oh, like yes, exactly. And, you know, that vest doesn't cover your whole body. It's just a vest. It just covers your your vital organs, those things yeah. that are essential. So similar to a breastplate, we kind of have that image in mind. So there is a uh, example of a breastplate <laughs> tucked away in the Old Testament that I thought we could look at, John. Oh, oh, uh, cool. First Kings chapter 22, it kind of emphasizes the importance of a breastplate. And and there there will be a point, all right, John. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a heads up, <laughs> and our listeners, there is a point to this. I assure you. Um, so First Kings 22, an account that we may not be all that familiar with, but I think is uh, I think it's a pretty good one. I like it at least. So let's, I love uh, let's I that. love Jehoshaphat. He's my new favorite king, by the way. Oh yeah, what's not to like about Jehoshaphat? <laughs> I used to like Josiah, but now I think I prefer Jehoshaphat. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jehoshaphat, okay, there's two kings here. Jehoshaphat, uh, what is he the king of? He, uh, he's the king of Judah. Ju- he's the king, yeah, the, the southern, southern, the southern kingdom, kingdom, as they say. The yeah. southern kingdom. And then we're going to meet another guy, Ahab, um, who's the king of the, the northern kingdom. Israel, right, of Israel, Israel, Samaria, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, the so people Jeho- that broke away from the real people of God. Well, yeah, yeah so we, we see that. You know, uh, All the kings of Israel are pretty rotten, and Ahab is perhaps among the, the most rotten. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Already, Elijah had warned him. Uh, Elijah the prophet had warned him, warned uh, his wife Jezebel, too, of their evil and wickedness. Uh, Jehoshaphat, how, what, he's faithful king, uh, unfaithful king. He's he's a pretty faithful guy, Jehoshaphat. I can yeah. see why you would like him, John. So. Yeah, he's a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. So let's, uh, let's read uh, beginning with verse uh, 29. All right. So 22 verse 29? Yes. Okay. I got a scroll. I got a scroll. Okay. I don't turn you, pages. I'm scrolling. You still have the King James version out? I, I've got I've got the ESV. Is that okay? okay. Yeah, that's All fine. Right. That's what I'm using. So we're on the same so, page now. So the king of Israel, that's Ahab, and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. How far do you want me to read, Matt? About to uh, verse 30. Okay. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you wear your robes. And the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. <laughs> what a deal, right? If you're yeah. Jehoshaphat. <laughs> yeah. So so Ahab says, okay, Jehoshaphat, you go ahead and wear your royal robes as we go into battle. I'll just kind of wear a soldier's outfit, okay? And uh, Jehoshaphat does it. You know, I wonder if there was any protest on his part. Uh, we, we don't know. Uh, but we have this picture, Jehoshaphat in his royal robes, uh, Ahab cowardly uh, in just a normal soldier's outfit, trying to be incognito. 
Well, and, and in all due respect to, to, to Ahab, you know, the prophet of God had just told him yes. that if he went into battle, <laughs> he was going to die. Yeah. So Elijah told him, yeah, that your death is is coming, right? Yeah. Exactly. And, and he didn't say anything to Jehoshaphat about that. So you yeah. can see where Ahab was maybe a little more concerned. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's interesting, too. You know, ignores other things that the prophet says. But, you know, if he <laughs> says you're going to die, well, may, maybe just maybe I'll take an extra precaution. Just in case. <laughs> just in case. A little insurance. Right. Um, so uh, we'll see what happens here. Um, is, can he wiggle out of the what the prophet said is going to happen? As you can guess, probably not. No. Uh, but let's read verses 31 and through 33. Now, the king of Syria, so that's who they're fighting. They're fighting the Syrians, had commanded the 32 captains of his chariots, fight with neither small nor great, but only with the king of Israel. So apparently Ahab, he pretty understood what was going on there. They they were going to pick on him. Uh, And and when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, it is surely the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him, and Jehoshaphat cried out. And when the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. Yeah. So, yeah, the king of Syria is like, you know, okay, just uh, everyone aim for the king king of Israel. That's all that's important. So, naturally, I think the guy wearing the royal royal robes is the king of Israel. But uh, Jehoshaphat, of course, isn't. He's the one in the royal robes. He cries out. You wonder what he cried out. Was it, you know, hey, I'm not Ahab. (laughs) (laughs) He's over there. He's over there. (laughs) He's a guy dressed in a... (laughs) (laughs) So you you wonder what he cried out. Well, regardless, they realize from his cry or or some other means that, no, this isn't the king of Israel. Wrong guy. We would like to think that he cried out to the Lord. Well, yes. we, that he prayed to God. It would be very know? pious, wouldn't it? Yes. But it, it is interesting that the text doesn't really say that, does it? You think no. the text would have said he cried no. out to the Lord. It does that in other occasions. But whatever it is, you're right. Oh, that's yes. not the guy we're looking for. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think, you know, he's, he's either crying out to the Lord, he's crying out for help, reinforcements, <laughs> yeah. or he's crying out, it's not me. You know, you got the wrong guy. We just don't know. We don't know. But he cries out. And, you know, in the end, I think what's important is, well, God does deliver him. God yeah. is behind yeah. us. Um, all right, so let's, uh, okay, verses. And, and, I, and I do like that, that it's God who delivers him, and it yes. has nothing to do with what he's doing, yeah. you know. But he is he is a good king, so, well, yes. anyway, where, so let's, where at? Yeah. So let's finish up with verses 34 through 36. Okay, but a certain uh, man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. There you go. Therefore, he said to the driver of his chariot, turn around and carry me out of battle, for I am wounded. Uh, should I keep reading, Matt? Yeah, yeah. And, and the battle continued that day, and the king was propped up in his chariot, facing the Syrians until at evening he died, and the blood of the wound flowed into the bottom of the chariot. Yeah, okay, we can stop there. Right. It gets it goes into detail, and uh, uh, but the point is a couple things. The, the prophet Elijah, the God was God was speaking through. Yeah, his warning certainly, as you might expect, uh, comes to pass as all the word of the Lord's, all the words of the Lord does, do, um, and he dies. Uh, but you know what's interesting for our purposes today, though, is just this idea that this soldier from the Syrian side draws his bow at random, and it yeah. falls in between the armor and the breastplate. So what left him vulnerable was a gap in his breastplate and the armor. 
All right. So that's for our purposes today. When we're thinking about the armor of God, and, and Paul goes on in Ephesians 6 that we read earlier to talk about the, the flaming darts of the, of the evil one, of Satan. Satan's got his flaming arrows. They're aimed at us as followers of Jesus Christ. And we, we better not have a gap in our armor, a gap in our breastplate. Um, and I think for us, there's two gaps in our breastplates okay. that makes us susceptible to Satan's arrows. Um, so the, the first gap, the first gap is the gap of, of pride. Yeah. Uh, in our own pride, uh, boy, we can be susceptible. You know, sometimes people, you know, whether it's warranted or not, people talk about Christians being prideful or looking down their noses at people. And, and perhaps sometimes we're guilty of that. Perhaps we have this individual pride. Uh, and if we think we're immune to pride, you know, when we're even more guilty of it, right? Um, but Satan loves that sort of thing. He loves for us to think that we're better than others. Um, or if we, we measure our goodness based upon, uh, you know, or measure our, our, you know, our, our salvation or anything based upon our, how good of a person we are, what we've accomplished in our lives, instead of what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. His perfect work for us. Um, Isaiah 64, uh, those words, all of, be, all, we, all of us have become like one who's unclean. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. You know, there's no room for pride. It's not about our goodness. It's about Jesus' perfection. All we like sheep have gone astray. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's one gap in the armor is pride. Is Satan will love that. We're susceptible for prideful. And, and, and you know, Matt, that that's exactly the whole illustration here with King Ahab. Yes. You know, the, 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 the prophet of God comes and says, if you go to battle, you're going to die. And I would think I'd say, okay, I won't go to battle. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for letting me in on that because I was going to go. But no, maybe we'll call this war off. But I guess in his pride, he figured he was clever enough. You know, I'll disguise myself. Yeah, that, that, that won't happen to me. Yeah. Well, even Proverbs says pride comes before a fall. And oh, yeah. uh, here it is. He falls, literally falls dead in battle. Exactly. So, but now you got me. What, so what's the other gap? So the other gap is the gap of of despair or, or oh. just this despair and guilt over sin. So, yeah, I'm not talking about repentance. No, that's a good no, thing, no. right? <laughs> but this is this idea that, no, I'm beyond God's forgiveness. Um, oh. I'm, I'm helpless, hopeless. You know, you think of, you know, Luther, at least in his early days as a monk, you know, how he would beat himself and try to do all these things to somehow make himself worthy in God's eyes. But it just led to deeper despair. Anything he did for himself would lead to deeper despair. Uh, and I think of our own lives, too, this idea that, you know, we never do enough. We can never do enough. And that leads to guilt and despair. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, a, a spouse that has unrealistic expectations of us, we can never do enough. Or as a parent, right? I, I didn't make it in my kid's soccer game. You know, I'm a terrible dad. Uh, I can never do enough. And, and that extends to a relationship with God, that we can't do enough to please God or can't do enough to be loved by God or forgiven by God. And that's that's a thing that Satan loves for us to think too, right? That we can never do enough. But And, and, uh, and Matt, isn't yeah. that amazing? you got two opposite extremes. There. Yes. One person who thinks, oh, I'm doing more than I need. And the other person says, I'm not doing enough. And yet it's the same it's the same chink in the breastplate of righteousness. Yeah, and, and both are equally as deadly, uh, leave yeah. us susceptible to Satan. 
Uh, for Luther, he found the answer finally in God's word, you know, places like Romans 117, where it says, the righteous shall live by faith. You know, it's it's this relationship with God that's received by faith in Christ, uh, not our earning it, you know, not by doing enough. That's not my way of peace, right? It's not how we're reconciled to God, but it's, it's through faith in Christ. So uh, the armor of God, uh, t- two deadly gaps that led in those arrows of Satan, pride, or that guilt and just despair, you know, God preserve us from both. And really the, the answer to being preserved uh, from both of those gaps is, is ultimately Christ uh, and all he's done for us. You know, So to, to lay down our pride, lay down our despair, and lay it down at the cross of Christ and know that in him uh, we are forgiven. In him we are given a new breastplate, one that is without gaps, uh, one that can stand the, the flaming darts of the evil one, uh, the armor of God. So, uh, yeah, that's the breastplate, John. We're going to have to wrap up. Um, but uh, thanks for letting me uh, reflect a little on that today. Yep. Thank you, Matt. And this has been Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the Basics. basics. <laughs>